Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling, and officially your NBA draft podcast for the Rise Podcast Network. Uh, we are here with Rise to bring you everything and anything NBA draft related. Hope you enjoy. So uh, as we're waiting for Stone and maybe Coop, I don't think Coop is coming, but while we're waiting for Stone uh, to get here, I'm just going to Let's just get it started, Davis, just you and me for now. Um, we're talking about the 2019 draft. This is a really, really interesting draft, especially kind of past the top two. I feel like most people have the same top two, Zion and Jaw. There might be different orders there, but I felt like that was sort of general consensus. Um, maybe not between us, but at least around most draft evaluators at the time. Sort of what's been different and, and what evaluators – even still, like in a redraft, might disagree on it, is how you sort of rank the rest of the wings and guards that sort of made up the lottery of this draft. So, Davis, I'm just going to ask you. So, for me, I had Zion at the top, clearly at the top. I think he's one of the more interesting prospects I've ever evaluated. I thought he was going to be one of the most efficient players ever. Uh, even even before his draft year, I thought he was going to be a potential defensive player of the year caliber player. He hasn't quite shown that, but, you know, Zion was my number one. Were you in agreement with me, or did you sort of stray from Um, No, so, yeah, I was actually I was actually a little different. Um, I, I had Ja as my one just because uh, – just with Zion, I had – I had questions about the shooting, obviously. Um, I didn't buy the, the defense as much as, as most did. And then I also just had injury um, concerns. I like just just not that he's been hurt a lot yet. Um, just his how big he is, how fast, how strong. Um, I just kind of was just kind of scared that he that he might be a, like an injury prone type of type of player. So. All that kind of kind of leaned it away. It was I was still kind of you know early on in in uh, my basketball like scouting and and knowledge and really like watching. But uh, yeah, I mean I, I had Jaw one. Zion was my my clear two. They were clear one and two, but I had Jaw a little higher. That's interesting, and I don't I don't blame you. Um, I I I feel like, and this is maybe me just putting this on you, but I feel like you would probably have Zion now if this draft was going on, right, Davis? Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely have Zion won. Uh, his offense, I think, translated a little more than, than I thought, even though the shooting still hasn't came along. It, his, just still him being able to, to score 20-plus on, on 60% shooting is pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, he's definitely nuts. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I, I really think he's going to make an MVP push next year. Um, but we are joined by Stone Hansen at Report Underscore Court, a uh, member of the Upside Swings Draft podcast and honorary member, at least for the live shows, uh, Cozy Lito, Buttermilk Jesus. I am doing good. Uh, this is a fun class because it's probably the one I had the least amount of film that I actually watched because I, I, this was like my off season, honestly, as far as like the last five years, as far as draft cycles go. Um but Zion is just, yeah, the most dominant college player I've ever seen. So, yeah, I think for me, the most interesting thing that I've gotten to track as far as the development in the league so far is how the defense hasn't really translated. Um, I think a big part of the pitch for me when in, in the draft cycle was the fact that, like, I thought he was, like, Yves Pons, but, like, could do what Yves Pons did at like the SEC level. He could do that shit at the like NBA level. Sorry about my language, but like the things that Zion Williamson did uh, as far as just like just how the functional athleticism like translated to the defensive end are just some of the craziest things I've ever seen on a college floor. So yeah, uh, yeah, Duke Zion is one of my favorite prospects ever for sure. For sure, and I'm I I still think there's a chance for that defense to come around. It just looks like. He's already sort of learned the LeBron lesson of I'm compartmentalizing my energy where it needs to go. Um, 
you know, LeBron could have probably been an all, you know, probably defensive player of the year caliber player for a lot of years that he wasn't simply because he thought it was a better use of his energy to just not do that. And I feel like Zion, though there's clearly some sort of feel lapses, I feel like Zion has sort of already learned that lesson a little bit. Uh, people aren't going to stop to let me cross the road. That's shitty. Um, but so sorry for any uh, new joining. I'm fucking, I'm walking home right now. So hopefully my audio is not shitty. Um, but where this draft sort of got interesting was past the top two. Well, Stone did not have jaw two. We'll let him dive into that a little later. But past the top two, sort of general consensus, it really opened up. So I want to hear how you, who you guys had sort of third in this draft or for Stone, who he had second. So, Stone, I'm going to throw it to you first because this is one of the more wild. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had Darius Garland number two in this class. Um, I was super sold on, on Garland uh, and what he did, uh, both in high school and during, you know, obviously a very small sample size at college. Um, but, you know, I, I saw um, – a lot of his handling ability. I thought that was really impressive. Um, I thought he could score pretty much at all three levels or at least had the upside to do so. Um, he was an underrated passer to me, and a lot of people had concerns about that uh, during that time period, and people were kind of questioning his, his playmaking abilities. Um, but I thought it was better than what he was able to show in that small sample size. Like, you saw the flashes of him uh, being able to pass off movement and things like that. So there is a lot of upside there for me as well. So offensively, I just I was really sold on him. Um, defensively, you know, <laughs> not so much, but um, I thought his offensive abilities were just, it was the total package for me. So uh, that's why I had him at number two. And honestly, I'm still, it's going to sound even crazier now, but I'm still not completely sold that I was wrong for having him number two in that class. Like, I think I would still take Jaw over over Garland right now, but um, I don't know. Like, in a few years, I think there's still an opportunity for, for Garland to maybe be that guy. Um, so far, I mean, during his career, he hasn't really, uh, like, been bad or anything. He's, like, I think he's been worthy of where he was selected in that top five selection. So, um you know, I, I was obviously too low on jaw. I will get to that in a little bit, but um, I'm not completely sold that I was totally wrong about Garland either. I think that's fair. I've, I still like last year, I was so impressed with Garland, the steps he made. Um, I had Garland, I had Garland at five. So I was not like incredibly like so much lower than, than stone was on him. Uh, so I will say that evaluating Garland was hard because he played against pretty poor high school competition and played five games at Vanderbilt uh, next to the great Saban Lee. So he just sort of had a weird sample, and I understand why some people were lower. But I, I thought he was very worthy of that top five selection. Davis, um, do you want to let us know who you have? Yeah, um, my third was was the the guy who went third. It was R.J. Barrett. Um, I like – kind of kept moving it. I moved like three, four, five quite a bit. Um, four was Garland and then five. Uh, it's funny now, but I liked him a lot back then. It was Kobe White. Um, so I had like kind of rotating those, but I did end up with Barrett at three. Um, so it's not too bad there, but Kobe's not looking, not looking too good. Um, but however, he's not in the best situation. So maybe a change of scenery will help or something like that. But yeah, I did have Barrett. Yeah. I think, you know, that was sort of consensus at the time. I think there's a lot of people who had it more in the top three than the top two, as I put it. Um, so, you know, Barrett was seen to be the third best prospect by quite a few. Um, I'm going to say my third. And then I want to hear if, if my boy buttermilk uh, is sort of on the same page. Because I, I know we share love for this guy. The player I had third was Kevin Porter Jr. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. is just one of the best like ball handlers I've ever seen. And he's also 6'5", an elite athlete, and I bought the shot. Like, 
I, I still cannot believe Kevin Porter Jr. fell to the 30th pick because of, you know, character concerns of out-of-touch white guys who don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, it's just sort of nuts that a guy that talented fell that far. Um, but I had him comfortably third in a tier with Jaw. And then at four, I had sort of a tear break. And then in his own tier at four, I had Cam Reddish. Uh, Buttermilk, who, who did you have here at three? Were you similarly on the KP? I hate to disappoint. Um, I think I, I, I think I did have KPJ within my top five uh, during the cycle. Um, I've been a fan of him since well into like his uh, high school career. Um, so I was always higher than him than most, um, but I did not embrace the risk very much. So I ended up having him in my late lotto range. Um, I had RJ Barrett at three because I, I, this is the year I really kind of uh, leaned on the stuffy end as far as just like, as far as just embracing like the, I don't know, the consensus on that part of draft order for the most part. So yeah, I had RJ Barrett as my three uh, in a tier with uh, John Morant. Um, and then my fourth guy, uh, it kind of looks bad in hindsight. There is Garland at two, looks a lot better than this one. But uh, Jared Culver was my fourth guy. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what uh, – <laughs> I don't know where to start with Jared Culver. So, so oh, something I noticed looking back at this draft is I did a really good job picking the guys who I thought would miss and just betting on them to miss. I had Jared Culver like – 40 like yeah 20s like i was super out on jared culver i never saw it with him um but i had some pretty crazy takes uh for who i had in my lottery we'll get to that a little later um i so i had rj barrett let me pull it up i had rj barrett at 11 um below guys like Keldon johnson and and like a seku Dumboya. Wow. I thought, I thought RJ was so stiff. I thought he was not only like like a less than advertised athlete. I kind of thought he was a bad athlete. And if you're a bad athlete and I didn't really buy the shot, the only thing I'm really betting on is that you're a six seven wing who's really smart. And like RJ Barrett is just one of those basketball psychos. You know, Zach Levine level of just like this dude cares about nothing on this earth other than basketball like he's gonna find a way at his size but i was pretty out on rj barrett um i, I want to get back on him being stiff um i i as far as how why i had him top three is that i thought the duke context was kind of ugly uh just as far as optimizing his strength because coach t's never really been good at uh making his one and done to actually look good um and in this case, I thought, like, with more spacing, he maybe look a little bit burstier. He could maybe get downhill a little better, make take advantage of his, like, he had pretty significant strength. And, like, his playmaking flashes to me were enough to maybe buy him as a wing initiator. So, I think at the time, um, I think at the time, top three wasn't, like, I think it was the consensus, right? So, uh, mm. yeah, I think 11 more so was definitely being way more ambitious as far as uh, betting against. And I think, it's, it isn't the craziest thing in hindsight, right? So, and, and I'll admit I was probably too low on him. Uh, I This was a draft I definitely just sort of like – I kind of bonded my board a lot and just sort of I, – I've just recently started to kind of find the middle ground between being almost purposefully um, contrarian and being too consensus. Like there were times I was doing things just because – I was higher on this guy than consensus. That means I have to be so high on him. Uh, and there are two guys at the back end of my lottery who who really fit that description. Um, but I will say I was even lower on RJ Barrett going into the year. I didn't really love the high school tape. I thought he kind of got a little overrated by the systems he was in. The, but, team, the, team over, the win over Team USA was really overhyped, considering I think it was like, I, I don't know, the first time the Team USA has ever lost. I think, like, in a really long time. Um, yeah. That. that was definitely a narrative that got pushed a lot. Um, so, winner, I put a little bit, and I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on where certain guys are for you and how you viewed them at the time. So, rounding out my lottery, I mentioned I had Cam Reddish at four, um, sort of in a tier on his own, and then I had a tier from five to 14 that went Darius Garland, Seku Dumboya, DeAndre Hunter, 
P.J. Washington, Shumo Kiki, Keldon Johnson, R.J. Barrett, Darius Baisley, Ty Jerome, and Brian Bowen. Um, that is maybe a completely insane last three people I mentioned in that lottery. Um, but just what are your guys' takes on any, any of those players that stand out to you? Where did you have them? You know, specifically, I'm thinking Cam Reddish. Uh, you know, Buttermilk, you mentioned the Duke context hurting RJ. I thought it hurt Cam more. I really bought into Cam just being this, like, you know, real hooper, bucket getter, like like one of the most respected high school players ever. Like, yeah. I really bought into that. I thought Coach K just ruined him. Um, so we're, so what do you feel about that lottery? Where, where were you on some of those guys? Uh, uh, I loved Cam Reddish as far as just, like, a talent bet, an archetype bet. Um, the high school tape as far as just like the ball handing flashes for a guy his size were really impressive like this is a rare guy where I was like the Paul George comp isn't that crazy to me he's not the same level of athlete but as far as like what he could maybe look like at the next level as far as just like a wing of his size with his level of like perimeter creation skills at his age um, I thought made him super enticing he made him number six on my board um and yeah, I also agree that, that that of all the guys that got hurt most by their college context, Cameron is definitely up there considering he was coming off an injury. And yeah, it was basically uh, uh, <laughs> taken down to like a, a third like person, a <laughs> third scoring guard, right? So uh, as far as a name that I noticed missing on your lottery that I am I was super high on was uh, Brandon Clark. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of yes this was a really weird one because typically not really the kind of a I I really don't like older guys this high up but I ended up having Brandon Clark top five because I really thought he could have I thought he was a special defensive prospect um and when you consider the functional athleticism when you consider just the development of the shot I I thought he had the making of something really special I think his rookie year really like for the most part kind of supported this evaluation but um this sophomore season has really soured this take uh, a lot so i wonder why i'm wondering why you didn't have him anywhere near your lottery or i don't know where you had him but definitely not in the lotto um and just yeah because yeah he was super popular on draft twitter right yeah i had clark 15 so like right outside the lottery he's just he was just old and like I didn't buy the shot the way like some people were like, oh, the shot projection, the shot projection. I'm like, but he can't. He like he's not a good shooter, you know. So it's like I thought of him more as like a really interesting like five at the next level, and and that's the type of player I liked. But honestly, I was very close to putting like Nick Claxton above him. I thought those two were super comparable at them in the same tier. I kind of didn't get like why Clark was so much higher on a lot of. You know, I wasn't on draft Twitter, but like. I was on, like, draft YouTube and draft Instagram. And they would have Clark talk t- top 10 and, like, Nick Claxton, like, 40. I'm like, I see these guys, and they're really similar. It just happens to be that Clax is on a much worse team. And, yeah, but, like, that's the thing with uh, Clark. I think he had the perfect intersection of, like, highlight athleticism that was, like, really, like, I don't know, the type of people on Instagram and YouTube really like that kind of stuff. And as far as, like, the analytics go and as far as, like, the, the box plus minus stuff, like, he had one of the most dominant just college seasons ever, honestly. It just he, – he blocked more shots than he missed, like, himself, which is, like, still a yeah, ridiculous that's one of the craziest stat. stats. <laughs> <laughs> but he, um, he was sixth on my board, and I think, like, I was – I mean, maybe retrospectively that might have been a little bit too high, but, um, like, I think he's still a really good player, just – the the shooting was concerning for me, but it's now like a different level of concerning because the shot release has changed since he's entered the NBA. So like, I I think like it's very valid to have had shooting concerns, which I which I did too. But I think those shooting concerns are now exasper- exasperated a bit by the um the the change in shot release because now he's got like a weird hitch in his shot and it's just ugly. It literally changed between his rookie season and his sophomore season after having, like, somewhat a level of success his first season, right? Um, and it was a crazy amount of progress considering where he was at San Jose State. I don't know if you guys remember his shot form back then, but it was, like, really, really, really bad. So, yeah, just a crazy developmental just, yeah, story. 
Yeah. So, so I wanted to get where you guys were at DeAndre Hunter. I mentioned I had him seven on my board. Um, He obviously went four, and there was a lot of hubbub that like the Hawks gave up too much to do that. Kind of looks like, you know, a bad faith take in, in hindsight. Like, like, what do you think of? Where did you guys have DeAndre Hunter? Were you also in that boat that was just killing the Hawks for trading up to four to get him? Uh, where were you at with him? I was low on DeAndre Hunter relative to a lot of people. Um, I especially draft Twitter. Like I had Hunter fourteenth on my board, but it was very close. Like I could have dropped him. Um, there, there was a case for me at that time to have moved him down to like twentieth uh, on my board. He, um, he was just old to me. He didn't like. He, he seemed like a very, um, I don't know how to put it, but I guess like more limited offensively than what I what he's obviously shown since in in Atlanta. Um, I don't know. I just he didn't really do it for me. Like defensively, I thought he was good. But I thought there were instances where, like, if he were switched out onto the perimeter, much faster guys can blow past him. He just wasn't as versatile, I think, as people had sort of made it out to be with him. Um, obviously, since then, like, he's outplayed probably the 14th position on a board, so I, I was too low on him. But um, at that time, I was definitely uh, pre- pretty low on him relative to cons- I want to say, too, like, he's one of those guys who I don't like I don't love doing this like hindsight scouting on. It's the same with like Donovan Mitchell. It's yeah. like someone who's had a clear outlier development. It was pretty. I mean, I don't think anyone was predicting him to become like one of the best pull up mid range shooters in the NBA at six seven. I mean, that's that's a I'm just that's a pretty you, yeah. No one could have predicted this. I yeah. This is the thing that I come back with DeAndre Hunter is that he's one of those like. Uh, one of the go-to examples for me that like not all developmental curves are the same that old guys also have weird exponential fucking growth um in some skill sets and like that team context does matter like i, I don't know i don't know if deandre hunter is this good on a team that isn't next to a playmaker as good as trey young maybe um i think that's worth considering so yeah deandre hunter is a guy i had much closer to like i was right there with stone as far as having him outside my lottery in that 15 to 20 range for me i think i ended up with him around 17 um because i just viewed him as a somewhat stiff slightly overrated defender that could just hit catch and shoot shots and maybe release some uh, pressure as a mid-range shooter for the most part but not to this extent at all so um yeah, just I, I I just do not buy that anyone saw this coming. It's the thing with Yonder Hunter. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I oh sorry. Oh, I was gonna ask just buttermilk really quick, who did you have higher between Okiki and uh Hunter? I had Okiki higher by two picks, yeah. Nice. So I ended up like like <laughs> you were doing just a hindsight board comparison. I think I would look more right than you guys, obviously. But I should say that, like, my evaluation was also quote-unquote wrong on Hunter, right? I didn't see this either. I just valued 3 and D a lot. And I still do to an extent. Like, I know it's something that's sort of been, like, like sort of draft Twitter and, and, and sort of very smart NBA people have, have called sort of an overrated archetype. And while I agree, I still thought, like, Past the top four or five in this draft, I didn't see really much of any, like, on-ball equity I really bought. So, I was like, who best would I want to put on a team with great creators? And that's why, you know, this tier has, like, a Sekou Dumboya, who I actually did see some on the website with, but I was mostly in the camp of, I thought he was going to be a really good slasher. I bought the shot, good defender. You know, DeAndre Hunter, 3 e P.J. Washington, I thought, could be like a small ball stretch five. Uh, Tumo Kiki, also the Keldon Johnson, R.J. Barrett are sort of like connecting wings. And then you get to uh, my, my, my dangerous three at the back of my water. Um, we should talk about that really quickly. I'm sure there's other guys we want to hit on. Um, but <laughs> back of my lottery, lottery had Derry Faisley, Ty Jerome, and Ryan Bowen. Damn, so, Ty Jerome. 
I just like you guys just just go ahead and roast me. I just like. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was, I loved Brian Bowen and Brian Bowen was 62nd on my board. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> very difficult for me to envision him as like a first round prospect at any point. Um, well, not, I shouldn't say at any point, um, maybe at any point during that, that specific draft cycle, I should say. Um, it's, yeah, that, that one's a little bit mind boggling for me. I was super low on Ty Jerome. Um, <laughs> he was. He wasn't a first-rounder for me. Well, I wouldn't say super low, but I had him high 30s. But I know people were – there were some people, such as yourself, that were pretty high on him because they, you know, envisioned him as, like, a pretty complete prospect coming in and really good defensively and all that sort of good stuff. Um, but, yeah, well, since he's not here to defend himself also, I want to roast Cooper for having Carson Edwards number 12 on his board. <laughs> <laughs> Them thighs. I had Carson yeah. I had Carson Edwards, and I will, I will say I was being purposely contrarian on him, but I had Carson Edwards 44 below Kyle Guy, Bruce Wilkes, and Finishy too. So I was I was out on Carson Edwards. Um, I still believe in Sydney Solis. Like, that, that guy, he's athletic and can pass. Like, there's something there, I, I still believe. Um, but there are some other issues, guys. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Mikhail Alexander-Walker. Um, I had him 17, which is, I think, lower than, like, sort of draft Twitter consensus, but where he actually went. Buttermilk, I'm going to throw it to you first. You were sort of steppy and brained, as you mentioned. So where did you have uh, Naw? Naw is one of my all-time favorite early sleepers that I ever found. Um, I think I first was aware of him in 2017, um, after like a really impressive three stretch like game of his freshman season, like his first three games were really impressive, um, and I saw flashes of a potential first round uh, NBA prospect. Um, clearly, Shea Gilgis Alexander ended up being way more impressive. Uh, his cousin ended up breaking out that season, um, but then obviously not took a step as far as uh, his offensive production as his sophomore year. And I just really bought it also just because I was invested in him from what felt like really early on. I ended up at him uh, in my top 10 at eight. Um, I just like the idea of not just this super long combo guard that can play the one or two, depending on uh, your line of construction should defend with his super long wingspan has plenty of pull up equity as far as just betting on uh, a guy that could potentially score like 18 plus a game. I think that's still there. Um, just, yeah, kind of boring as far as just, I don't know. I, I just really like it. I just really like the idea of his archetype and I, I just, yeah, was invested early. So uh, had him top 10. I had, yeah, I think I had him uh, 15th on my board. Um, he's, He's a guy who, like, like Buttermilk said, like the versatility at the guard position was really enticing to me. Um, but I remember his very first game um, as a rookie, uh, and he shot something like, I, I think it was like seven shots in like two minutes or something. And I was just like, oh man, I was so wrong about this guy. He's he's gonna be a total chucker. Um, <laughs> but he ended up, you know, obviously like. Um, he's going to be a good player, I think. Uh, 15 uh, is probably, like, about the right area for him. Um, maybe a little low, but he's, um, yeah, like, defensively, I really liked what he could do, actually. I was probably higher on his defense more than most just because I thought he could guard one through three in the NBA. Um, and I thought he was fairly technically sound on that end, so... Um, but yeah, I was I was relatively in on 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 Mikael Alexander Walker. He was a bit on craft and like just feel for the mm-hmm. most part. A lot of like Shea, um, like as cousins, they kind of just have a lot of flank style similarities that were just I don't know to me. Also, just that type of player is very smooth and fun to watch. So yeah, yeah, I did like Nah as well. I think I had him uh, in the back end of my lottery or like fifteen, so around there. Um, another guy I did want to ask 
about where you where you guys had him was uh, Rui Hachimura because he was pretty pretty high on my bo- my board. I think he was like seventh, honestly. Um, so I liked him quite a bit, but I'm interested to see see where you guys had him. I was pretty low on Rui. I had him at 22 below Luka Samanich and uh, Dylan Windler. So, you know, history might not shine upon that. But uh, I just thought he was old and not super skilled. And I think he was quite athletic enough to make that combo work. Um, you know, I thought, like, I had a 22. I was not, like, Jarrett Culver level out on him. Like, I thought he could be an NBA player. I just didn't think it was as valuable as, like, a top 10 pick. Um, even though, for me, even at the time, I didn't see this draft particularly strong. Um, I still, just, I didn't see top 14, like, like lottery pick there. Um, so I was, I was somewhat out on him, if not completely. Yeah, Rui to me was probably what Jared Culver was to Bryce. Um, I had him in my 40s. I just thought he was an older Swiss Army knife type that really wasn't, like, great in anything. Wasn't, like, that, like, as far as an athlete, as far as, like, the Kawhi comparisons and stuff goes. Like, I didn't really see that at all. Um, And the shooting projection made me kind of iffy. Like, everything about him was just super unsure. And just because of the age, I thought, like, the upside was maybe some, like, limited. Like, I I don't know. This was a, to me, this was a draft that really taught me that uh, older guys, I don't know, just, like, labeling old guys and just having limited upside is a really dumb thing to do in general. Um, And in this case, I took the wrong old guy, Brendan Clark, and I think DeAndre Hunter or maybe Rui Hachimura, his teammate, could have been a better bet as far as older guys. So, yeah. I still believe that. Brandon Clark is going to be a better player than Rui Hachimura in the NBA. Um, and I'm, even if it's not for the Grizzlies. Um, so I should say, so I guess looking at my board, I wasn't quite as low on Jared Culver as I thought. I had him 26 um, right around. So this is fun. This, this will be fun. We should just start, you know, I think we've talked about the big guys we want to talk about. We should just start naming like where we had some random dudes. It's kind of fun. So I had Jared Culver, 26, Cam Johnson, 27, Taylor Horton Tucker, 28, Terrence May, 29, Ignace Brizdikas, 30, O'Shea Brissett, 31, Matisse Theibel, 32, uh, Grant Williams, 33, Jalen McDaniels, 34, and Keziok Paula, 35. That's sort of a fun, like, back end to my first round. Um, do, do you have any takes on him? <laughs> um, uh, I I'll say out of those guys, I was probably the highest on Horton Tucker. I had him twentieth on my board. Uh, still relatively high on him, not just because he's a Laker. I think he's actually a decently like a skilled player. Um, I was too high on Culver because I I just drank the Kool Aid that year. I bought into peer pressure. I dropped Kevin Porter Jr. from fourth on my board down to ninth because he was um, there's character concerns with that and I overblew those so um, Culver was a big miss for me but I um, yeah like that that sort of section I had Cam Johnson 29th so right in there as well with you um, the the early portion of my second round has Ty Jerome and Tyler Hero. I don't know where you guys were, were were with Hero, but I was very much um, not a huge fan of him. Uh, I had Keldon Johnson, Gafford, sort of in the mid twenties, uh, Claxton as well, which is weird for me because I don't really ever remember being that low on Claxton. I always sort of thought I had him in my top twenty, but I guess not. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's sort of where I was at with those guys. I had THT 18. Um, I thought he was just like a bet on weird. Uh, one of the most like outlier wingspan to height ratios I've ever seen, um, which I learned just recently that um, I think Brianna Stewart of the Seattle Storm has like identical measurements, which is insane to me considering, she, I don't know, just that's even more absurd. Um, so just fun fact. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, he was just like an unorthodox round ball, weird, like just kind of, I don't know, just played bigger than his height, obviously, um, and was just stupidly young. Um, I had Tyler Hero 20, uh, just a bet on a shooter. And at this point, that Kentucky rule was starting to become a thing where it's just like, uh, just expect Kentucky guys to be better than they probably are. And I just kind of, uh, in this case, lean into that a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Nicholas Claxton, I think I had 16 on my big board. Um, really liked him for obvious reasons, just like defensive versatility, uh, the playmaking flashes, the flashes of the ball handling. Um, and just, yeah, just generally a kind of bet that I would like to take. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Claxton, Claxton, I was like, I think I like kind of low, and I didn't watch a lot of Georgia, so I didn't like see him till late. Um, so I don't know. I think I only did like 30 or so guys that year. Um, but I don't even know if I had Claxton there, unfortunately. Now I would definitely change that. Um, but I liked Hero. Um, I also like Jordan Poole. I, I had him in the top 30. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Nazir Little too. I was, he was in my top twenty. Um, I still believe he can be good, but but I don't know. I had. I have. Uh, a, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say I had a uh, Gafford twenty fifth on my board, and I feel like that's somewhat about reasonable, reasonably right. Like in hindsight, and he's somebody who like. I, I felt so comfortable with, like, this guy is going to be exactly what I think he is, and he's pretty much lived up to that. Like, I think it was very easy to see what Gafford would be in the NBA, which is exactly just what he was in college. So I want to say uh, we brought Gafford, and it's an interesting point. This was definitely another year of the Duncan Johnson of like. Is that that a little better? Um, Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, you're good. Hello? Yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, So, this was another year of me being uh, completely Nate Duncan, John Hollinger brain, you know, don't draft bigs, don't bat. Uh, that type of stuff. I had Daniel Gafford and Jackson Hayes at 48 and 49. Um, Jackson Hayes went eighth overall, and I had him at 49 on my board. I honestly, like, can't even put myself in that headspace again and tell you where I was coming from. Like, I have no idea. I just, that's so funny to look back and think about, like, um, so, I, I could just name names forever because this draft. EJ King, Jared Hartford, Zach Moody Jr., Bryce, you sound like you're underwater right now. I mean, uh, okay, I have I have an interesting name that I hasn't come up yet, and I'm very like curious about how you guys evaluated this. But uh, Matisse Thibel is a guy I had at 23. Um, just like the zone context and just the absurd steal and block rates for like a guard. Um, like historically, he's just kind of like an outlier. And at some point that was a big part of my draft philosophy is just kind of betting on just general outliers and steal and block rates are things that are really rare and indicative of like high feel and like, I don't know, are very like high value uh, stats to be really good at. Right. So um, how did you guys interpret like the Washington contacts with Mitty Seibel and, and yeah, where did you guys end up with him? I had him at 22 on my board. So pretty much like right where you had him. And like, I just saw what he did and like, regardless of context, I'm like, this guy, he's going to be like a really good defender. It was just a matter of like how good for me, like, you saw like a, a lot of the stuff he did at Washington. He just those come from behind blocks and had a lot of great anticipatory reflexes. Um, and so I was like, you know, this guy's going to be a good defender. It's just, will he ever be an offensive threat whatsoever? Cause he can't create for anything. Um, and the Washington context did like 
hamper my expectations a little bit. I probably would have had him maybe like, you know, uh, mid-teens if um, it weren't for that. But um, I just saw a guy who, you know, like was going to be a really good defensive player, but um, not really anything offensively. And so far he hasn't really done much to change that. Yeah, I was um, a little lower on uh, Matisse. I had him at 32. Uh, I just, a part of it, I think looking back with some bias because I'm a Coug. I've always been a Coug and uh, I sort of underrated some UW players. I, I got over that in the next year when Jaden McDaniels was a, um, was a Husky. But this year, I the 2019 year, I was, I think that part of that sort of played into it. Uh, and I just thought he had zero offensive game. Um, he was just a, a, a nothing on that end. And I still think he's kind of a nothing on that end. And um, a, a, a type of um, philosophy that I've sort of stayed true to even now is that I, I just really don't give that much of a shit about guard defense. And I didn't think he was big enough to guard wings. So you're betting on this like ultra havoc creator. And I thought even – even if he is like an all defense caliber ultra havoc creator, if he's a nothing on offense and he's only six, four, six, five, like I didn't, I just didn't think that was super valuable. And honestly, I, I think my evaluation of him was right. Even if my numerical ranking of him was wrong, he's sort of become what I expected, which is a crazy havoc wreaker who is kind of a little overrated uh, on ball. He doesn't handle screen super well. He can't guard bigger players. Um, and he's still a nothing offensively. So, you know, I was too low on him numerically, but I actually think the evaluation turned out right. Um, he just had some really nuts stats, uh, but there was a lot of issues with this tape. Uh, Davis, if you have any thoughts, you can give them. If not, then I think we can sort of move on to, uh, I want to do like, like, give like your biggest hit for a guy you were low on, your biggest hit for a guy you were high on. And then your biggest miss for a guy you were too high on and your biggest miss for a guy you were too low on. I think that's sort of a fun way to end this. Um, so, Davis, do you have any Matisse-Thibel thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I was. I think I was kind of in the same area as, as Bryce, as uh, Matisse. Being a, Pac a fan of a Pac-12 team, I kind of watched a lot of, of Washington and all the other um, teams. But um, I just didn't see anything offensively. I obviously saw a lot uh defensively as far as as far as guard defending um i didn't think he'd he'd ever be able to you know switch on to like fours or or you know really be a versatile like forward defender um but he he's probably been a little higher than where i would have had him now um but but like bryce said i think the evaluation is still pretty right he's just kind of kind of there offensively and and defensively uh, is where he's valuable but yeah for sure so i want to move it on to like i said we're going to sort of wrap this up and and i want to hear i want we'll just throw it around the horn who was the guy you were right about to be super low on like this guy you were lower on than everyone else and you were right to be lower on it than everyone else he hasn't shown anything or is already out of the league or whatever it may be uh stone i'm going to throw that to you first um, well, okay. Um, I'll go with, I, I, I don't know how like it mainstream this was, but I remember a lot of people were pretty in on Bruno Fernando and I just wasn't, um, looking back, I had Fernando, uh, let's see, 42nd on my board. So I remember people had him like as high as like lotto and stuff and i just didn't see it at maryland like he's just a big who is big um <laughs> i didn't really see a whole lot of skill with him nothing like defensively he had some okay anticipatory things but like not super um like mobile or anything so uh, i guess i guess that would be my answer for that question yeah uh bruno to me the worst prospect on that Maryland team out of uh, him and, and Stick Smith. Um, Davis, who's the guy you were right to be really low on? Uh, I mean, we kind of already talked about him, but Jarrett Culver, uh, I was definitely lower on him, like in my 20s. So 
Um, it was just like, I just saw an, an athletic kind of, just a really athletic um, defending, maybe like, maybe a 3 and D uh, type of guy, but the, I didn't buy the shooting at all, um, but some did. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't like Culver. Um, I was hoping that year that he wouldn't drop to Phoenix, and Phoenix still kind of disappointed me that year with Cam Johnson. But that that one, they proved me wrong about. But um, yeah, I, I was I was definitely lower on Culver, and it seems to be, it seems to be right. Uh, I don't think I don't think he's gonna get um, any better of a chance in in Memphis, even though he got traded. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, buttermilk. Um, as far as I don't know, this is a rough draft for me. Um, so this is a really lame cop out answer, but uh, Jonte Porter was a guy I feel like a lot of people had in lotto ranges, and he's a guy I had in the second round just because injury concerns. Basically, um, if it was just talent wise, I think he's a guy that legitimately did have like justified reasons to go top twenty, but. Um, as it turned out, he's basically – I'm not sure he's in the league at the moment, so. Don't make Stone cry. Um, the guy I was too low – or I was I was right to be really low on was Romeo Lankford, who I had at 50. Um, I below guys like Mario Shyock and Chris Wilkes and my guy, Amir Hinton. Um, I just – I thought Romeo Lankford was just straight up not a good basketball player. Um, he was – like – he was purely a bet on a six-five solid two-foot athlete, and that's about it. He did not have ball skills. I I really bought. I thought he was a bad passer. Uh, I didn't think he could shoot. And everyone, you know, he had like a eight-year hand injury track with like his wrist and his hand always being broken or a torn ligament or something. I don't know, but uh, I I was really low on Romeo Langford. Um, who was the guy? Let's 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 just cut it here and and i'm just gonna ask this will be the last question for this but who was the guy you were right to be really high high on like people either people or a consensus was low on him and you just completely bought in and it it looks like it's turning your way uh stone i'm gonna throw okay on my last big board it doesn't like numerically i don't know why he's 46 on my board but pretty much every board i could find before this one he was um, near or around like 20 for me. Um, so I don't know what happened there, but I was, I do remember being super high on him. So I'm just going to go with it. I was really high on Terrence man. Um, he was like this weird sort of point forward to me who could, um, like be really good defensively and, and really versatile pretty much around the whole perimeter. Um, I thought he had, um, some self-creation, but more of a creator for others, um, was serviceable enough as a shooter. And I just thought he could really be um, sort of a high-end role player, and he sort of become that. So I, I feel like I was vindicated having him around 20. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. Terrence Mann is, is, is very good. Uh, Davis, who was your... Um, I probably had to go with... Probably Jordan Poole. Um, I think most of them, most people had him like second roundish or or like around thirty. But I, he was in the top twenty for me, um, like right outside the lottery, fifteen, sixteen range. Um, it looks pretty good. I mean, I think he can he can still improve, but um, he he looked good last year, and and I think he's he's probably uh, in that range now. If you did if you did another draft. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was way too low on Jordan Poole. I had him like, like 44 or something like that. I, just, I was too low on him, and he's really proved me wrong. Uh, Buttermilk, who's your – Yeah, I had Jordan Poole at 40. Again, rough draft for me. Um, as far as best call, I, I don't know. I'd be such a common answer, but Zion at one, I feel like, was a little bit more controversial at the time than it – I feel like we'll, we'll – we'll, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we'll, we'll remember how much of, like, the injury concern was a thing and stuff and how much people were abrasive to having him at number one at times. So 
I, <laughs> that's such a cop answer. Um, I'll give you Lewis King at 30 is a guy that was recently some really good MVP. So I feel like that's kind of cool as far as just making a comeback. Um, and another guy I had somewhat high compared to consensus, but not that high in, in the early 30s was Jalen Noel. Um, yeah, Seattle native, actually good at basketball, getting some decent minutes on Minnesota. So, yeah. I, I also like Jalen Noel. Um, and I also did really like um, – Oh, where where did my brain just go? Oh my goodness, I lost it. Um, but yes, I I agree with you. Um, oh, I like Lou King a lot. I was in the minority that had Lou King like way above Bobble. Like I had Bobble way low, and, and I really bonded to Lou King. Um, I might I think my best call from this draft, uh, it's either Keldon Johnson at two, at ten or Lou Dort at uh twenty four. Um. I had Keldon at 10, and that was lower than I thought I would. Coming into the season, he was my number three. Um, I was super low on Zion uh, before the Duke season. I probably had him, like, barely in the lottery. I was lower on RJ Barrett. My top three going into the draft were Cam Reddish, Kevin Porter Jr., and Keldon Johnson. Uh, Johnson did have a really disappointing season at Kentucky, but I just sort of bought the, the downhill driving ability, the athleticism, the defense, and the feel he has. Um, and I think that's somewhat worked out. And then Lou Dort going undrafted is still nuts to me. I had him at 24. Um, I bought the shop more than it's come to fruition in the NBA. Uh, and I didn't think he was quite this level of defender, but I was just like, he's really strong. And I just, I have a weakness for, for dudes that are all muscle. I don't know what it is. It's a character flaw. Um, but this has been great, guys. Uh, if you have any th- final thoughts, uh, give them, and then just let people know where they can find you. Uh, start- uh, yeah, that no final thoughts, really, other than the fact that um, this draft pretty much sucked for me. Uh, if you want to follow me and other bad takes, uh, you can follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. Um, any draft work I do will be on there. Follow the podcast at Upside Swings. Uh, Yeah, uh, Buttermilk has left, but he is at Cozy Lido. He's the best. He's he's on these live shows uh, pretty f- frequently. We'll probably have him back on next week to talk the 2020 draft. Uh, these are going to be posted as pods as well. So go follow him. Uh, he's the best, and we're super excited to have him on every week. So just um, – Yeah, so you can find me at Sports by Davis on Twitter. Um, yeah, you can find – more more bad takes like like stone said and and all that all that good stuff so uh this draft was was pretty bad i think for for almost all of us but um yeah it it was still a really fun pod and as always i enjoyed it yeah i'm actually proud of how my rankings for this draft out but i think i took a step back during the 2020 draft which we will get into Great on Upright Center 14. You can follow us at Upside Sweet. Um, so, if you have 